there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. I'm Sandra Hurley and I'm joined by Labour Party TD Duncan Smith. How are you? I'm grand, yeah. And political correspondent Michal Lahan. Hello. Duncan, there's lots to talk about, especially the situation in Dublin Airport, which is in your constituency. But first, I didn't warn you about this. I checked your Twitter bio. It says, Labour TD for Dublin Fingal, spokesperson on health, communications and transport. And that's it, yeah. And Garth Brooks, ticket holder. Absolutely, yeah. How much of a super fan are you? Uh, I wouldn't describe myself as a super fan, uh, but I'm a fan and this is a big nostalgia trip. So I was very, very disappointed when the concerts collapsed those few years ago. Uh, So happy he's back, happy I have a ticket and looking forward to take that off the bucket list hopefully so you and your friends the Healy Rays have more in common than you think (laughs) Uh, maybe yeah now I'm not going with them I'm going with uh, just to clarify (laughs) just in case people thought and I better give him a shout I'm going with Councillor Peter O'Brien so he's coming down with me in this just one night out of the five just one yeah we're going yeah just one night yeah Yeah. I'd say not a super fan but just uh, just a fan and uh, looking forward to it yeah yeah not ashamed just me and the other 500,000 Irish people that'll be going and what about you Micheál no, no. Okay, yeah, no. just checking. I just want to no. do a survey. Everyone who comes in now, I'm going to ask them where yeah. they're going. The build-up is starting. I'm not going myself, just to clarify. So moving on to the airport, it's bracing itself to in the Dublin airport for a busy bank holiday weekend. There's been a huge focus on the performance of the operator, the Dublin Airport Authority, this week. So, Duncan, you were at the Transport Committee yesterday. Were you reassured by what you heard? Uh, no, I wasn't reassured, but I don't think that was the intent. I think uh, I think they know, they said they made a massive mistake uh, in terms of the amount of staff they cut, when they cut. Uh, and uh, what I got out of yesterday's Transport Committee meeting was that we not only have a very difficult weekend ahead, but we have a very difficult summer ahead uh, for anyone who's transiting through Dublin Airport uh, and indeed for the staff that are working there because even if they hit every target they're, they're going to they're try and hit in terms of staff for security, they still won't be anywhere near the levels that they had in 2019 uh, the pre-pandemic when the airport was running uh, reasonably well. So this has been a catastrophe for uh, Dublin Airport, for the reputation, uh, for the city and indeed for the, for the country. And I think what we got a committee yesterday was uh, uh, an honest assessment from the management that they made this uh, mistake. But this has been coming for years. There's been tension in the airport for years between management who've been on a long-term cost-cutting exercise to get the older contract with the better paying conditions. They deny that. They deny that, but this is my experience from being involved in local politics and living in Swords where there have been an awful lot of airport workers of all grades and all different areas. So this is, and this is, they do deny it, but this is what's been happening. And uh, every, it's not as if when they're replacing workers, they're replacing them with similar contracts. Every contract that comes for a new intake, the wages will be lower, the terms and conditions will be less. It's not to say that they're all terrible terms and conditions, but they are less than what they're on before. And this has led us to this point, and we've been warning about it for years, uh, and it's fallen uh, quite spectacularly now, not least last weekend. Uh, but for the last couple of months, it's been pretty desperate in Dublin Airport, and it will be for the next couple of months through the summer season. 
And the latest today, we're told, is that they will have some sort of marquees outside to maybe shelter people from the rain. It's not quite the holding zones that they're saying they'll have later in mm. the summer. Are you going to have a look and see the operation of those? You asked a lot of questions about that yesterday. Yeah, I'll, I was down last weekend. I'll probably go down either tomorrow morning or Saturday morning and see what, what, what it looks like uh, down there. Um, but... I mean, it's it's a desperate situation. I mean, this is like putting a marquee up. Yeah, it's great. People are still going to have to wait outside for a long period of time. And like Dalton Phillips couldn't give a guarantee that even if people arrive three and a half hours for short haul with baggage or four and a half hours long haul with baggage, um, minus the air if you don't, that they will not have to wait outside. So even if you arrive on time, you may still have to wait outside for a period of time. So no guarantees could be given. The reason he couldn't give any guarantees is because he knows he doesn't have the staff, knows he doesn't have the skilled staff and trained staff, particularly in the security area. So so it's 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 listen to the advice such as it is and just brace yourself for a difficult experience through the airport. And Michal, what about the government here? They're under a lot of pressure. Sinn Féin at Leaders' Questions today. Pierce Doherty was very much putting the spotlight on Eamon Ryan, saying, you know, your, your government was asleep at the wheel. Yeah, the, the government is under pressure, but at the same time, the fact that the DAA took responsibility for getting their predictions wrong, for leaving too many people go, as Duncan said, but also on the day for having those 37 people who didn't make it 17 because they weren't trained and ready to do that work. For all those reasons, that was kind of an act of contrition. Government put some water between themselves and what was happening. But the anxiety and the tension is evident across government, particularly if anything goes wrong again. So that is there. And then there is the big political charge too, that despite the fact that the DA run their own operation and government are keen to emphasise that, they would have had to sign off at some level or have some knowledge of the numbers, of the huge numbers of people that were let go by the authority during the pandemic. And of course, not all businesses did let people go. Uh, many didn't offer such uh, redundancy schemes during the pandemic, but availed instead of the supports provided uh, by the state during that period. So there is a link there. And I suppose if government didn't have any role in all of this, why is Eamon Ryan saying that there were ongoing meetings and meetings meetings on a daily basis at several points in the last few months about the airport. So if anything were to go wrong again, and it's not impossible uh, that that will happen, I think there would be a real political headache and it probably wouldn't be sufficient at all any longer uh, to attribute all of that to the, the operators at the airport. And Duncan, just on the severance package, apparently a €100 million Euro severance package, the government did have to approve it. And presumably they would have had to know something about the numbers do you have any concerns around that? Well, I've, I've had massive concerns because this isn't the first time we've had the DAA in front of the committee, be it the COVID committee or the transport committee, uh, to discuss the pandemic and the impact it was having. So this has been a culmination of an awful lot of meetings we've had with Dalton Phillips and his team. Um, all throughout the two years that I've been in the Dáil, uh, the Minister uh, for Transport has had a hands-off approach to the airport. We even saw it this week in the Dáil with statements on transport on Tuesday. Come Tuesday lunchtime, they were changed to statements on advancing sustainable mobility. Nobody asked for those statements on the, uh, sustainable mobility. We all expected, every spokesperson expected to go in and talk about the airport. And when Minister Eamon Ryan came in and spoke for 20 minutes on the floor of the Dáil, uh, without notes, gave his own speech, obviously, well, in my, in my view, because uh, he, he came up with it pretty late, didn't mention the airport once. It was incredible considering what was going on, considering we're still talking about it today and we'll be talking about it right through the weekend. So he, Minister Eamon Ryan, for whatever reason, does not have a, a, an interest in, in getting involved and getting a hold of the issues in relation to our airport. And it shouldn't come down to whether he's a green minister or any climate issues or anything like that. We're going to have an airport in this country forever because we're an island. We're going to have to have an airport. And there's the whole climate 
argument and what needs to be done in aviation, but that's separate. We have massive workers' issues here, and we have user issues in terms of the airport, and the minister doesn't seem to have any interest in it. And that's a huge problem. He's been behind the ball the whole time when it comes to the airport. Um, Michal, just on that aviation policy, one of the uh, other charges from the opposition is that the government hasn't been pushing um, enough kind of a decentralisation policy to move that um, the the lion's share of those flights move some of them away to other airports. Yeah, that was something that was consistently raised by TDs from outside Dublin yesterday, particularly those in the south and west and talking about Cork uh, and Shannon Airport in particular. But the clear message coming back from the operators of Dublin Airport is that that doesn't appeal to the airlines in any way. And even if there were some thoughts within government, maybe about diverting flights to Shannon in particular during the week, uh, it's not something that there appears to be any desire among the airlines for. So I think that probably does come back uh, more to aviation policy generally and ways of trying to uh, make it attractive for airlines. But of course, that's an ongoing issue and an ongoing kind of battle uh, that gets gets raised politically all the time without a huge amount of success many of many of the times. Duncan, just moving on from the airport, your portfolio, you've got health, yeah. communications and transport. And that is enormous. Obviously, it's a, it's because there's obviously a few uh, members in the Labour Oireachtas team. But how do you handle so many disparate portfolios? Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's difficult. You know, you've limited resources, and you've limited time. Like this week's all been about obviously transport and uh, the airport and everything like that. So you know, you're always conscious like the health crisis hasn't gone away, health issues haven't gone away. Uh, so you just try and manage as best you can, obviously, and you have busy constituency work as well. So um, look, it's, it's, it's frenetic, it's frantic. Um, it's also can, can be exciting and exhilarating given that there are so many important issues that are coming across uh, those uh, portfolios. But yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're, not, you're not on top of it all the time, I have to say. You know, I don't think anyone could be. So let's uh, rake over the Labour leadership change one more time. You've answered lots of questions on this. You backed Alan Kelly in 2020. Less than two years later, you were one of the people who told him he had to go. What happened? Um, well... What happened? Uh, nothing much happened. And that was, I think, was the problem. We weren't moving uh, and uh, things just uh, felt that we couldn't shake this this time in government. And unfortunately, with with with, with, with Alan, so associated with uh, the real big, one of the real big negative aspects of that government from our perspective in terms of the water charges and that. So it was just... Uh, the, and the sense that the Dublin-based by-election, the election of Vanna kind of shifted things a bit. Um, w- you know, we just uh, felt that it was it was time if we were to make a change in, in, and have a, a run-up to the next elections that, that now was the time to do it, you know. But, but the bounce isn't there, you know. Well, well last like, weekend, I know it's just yeah, one poll, but yeah. they were down a point. Yeah, the, look, there's, no one expects, at least I didn't, like this whole a leadership a leader's gonna come in and there's gonna be a bounce. I don't think that happens anymore in policy. I'm not sure if it ever did happen. It's a long road back for us. I mean, like let's be like under no illusions, our period in government 2011, 2016, was the single biggest catastrophe to ever happen to the Labour Party. Now, there's people in our party who'll be very hurt for hearing me say that, but they're defending maybe personal legacies and all the rest. I'm talking people around the party, I'm not talking about parliamentary party people. But, you know, we fractured the trust of people that voted for us and have never recovered from that. And that's the reality. And, you know, we need to move on and we need to have a change of front of house in terms of who's, who's leading the party and we need to be able to face up to that, and I don't think we faced up to that in, in, enough. This, we, we tried to explain what we did in government. We had an awful lot of 
good in government. You know, we brought in. But isn't all that the part of it? You know, you've rescued the country at a time when it was on the floor. Mm. Did you feel Fine Gael got the credit for that, and then you got the blame for the cuts? Yeah, that. But we can't keep crying. Yeah, yeah, I did. But we we also like let people down as well. And we have to acknowledge that, and we have to say unequivocally that we've learned from that, and that you know, people are to trust us again as a party that puts itself forward to go into government, to be in government, to make change, that we will not make those decisions that are going to hurt people again. Like if if we end up in a IM, EU IMF bailout programme again, which is not beyond the realms of possibility because if politics has taught us anything over the last 10, 11, 12 years, everything's pretty fragile, things can change. Like, And, and there's a choice between, you know, uh, going in with a right-wing party that's in an EU IMF bailout to ameliorate hurt or to try and reduce hurt or to provide a different perspective, then maybe we need to maybe just to say, no, we can't be part of that because we will not get enough of our agenda through. We're outnumbered two to one by Fine Gael. They were backed by the UIMF uh, bailout. We did an awful lot to ameliorate it, but still, you know, we, we ended up going to the people in 2016 saying, look, you know, you really got a punch in the gut, but it would have been two punches in the gut if we weren't there. I mean, that's not an argument. And we we did not have enough space to, uh, to, to, to roll out enough of the, our social democratic policies and our real labour policies that would, that we want to, and we and we hurt people, and you know we, we we have to move on. So it was it was clear that we'd had the last stall. Alan came in. Uh, we'd had an awful lot of media attention. We have an awful lot of activity, an awful lot of campaigns, but we weren't you know making any making any inroads. So it wasn't easy. It's a tumultuous time. It's still a tumultuous time in the party because it was a it was a very dramatic thing that happened. Uh, but we have to move move on and. Uh, I think you know Ivana has you know is, is doing great work in terms of making sure she's getting out, meeting the grassroots, talking to people about what happened, talking to people about her vision for where she wants the party to go, uh, and you know we we think we have a we have a bright future and and, and a clear path, but we have Michal, to acknowledge that. Could I just bring you in then? What what's your sense of the Labour Party under Ivana Bacic? Well, I think it's been it's been kind of surprisingly low key that that kind of would be the immediate view of it, and that would be reflected uh, by what the opinion polls are suggesting. The departure of Alan Kelly uh, was dramatic, uh, but there has been little drama since then. So I suppose it is a matter of watching in the period ahead. But I, I think Labour are in, in in a real, real battle now. And I suppose that is typified by the fact that it did move on its leader at what would be looking at election cycles and looking at where the next local and European elections are uh, an unusual time. So... It is a crisis, and I think I think it remains a crisis. And there has been little to suggest that the change of leader has eased that. When you look from the outside, um, Duncan, I mean, can you point to any new Labour policies or something that you've brought forward that you think voters could really latch onto? Well, I, I think we've had good policies, and it's not about the new policy. Like we we we're, we currently have a campaign: Ireland needs a pay rise, and I think we'll talk about the cost of living uh, and low pay, and that feeds into what's happening in the airport. But we've had like we we've had six solid pieces of workers' rights legislation that Marie Sherlock has brought through. Really fantastic pieces of legislation. It's not our policies. It's we need to rebuild trust with people. So and that's where that's 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 a that unfortunately still going to be a. a, a a long process that we need it to happen in advance of the next elections, be they locals or generals, as soon as possible. But for me, the Labour Party needs to rebuild. People need to trust us that as a party of the left, that we're going to go in, we're going to protect the most vulnerable, uh, that we're not going to uh, hurt people. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we did do our best and we did protect people uh, when we were in government last. That but, wasn't communicated. But, that, but, but it was very well, hard because that you were going to be good and there weren't going to be the fights of the Fergus Finley, Dick Spring era where things were being challenged 
over the lifetime of that coalition. Yeah. This time it was going to be about behaving, being cohesive. Yeah, there, there, there was, this, again, this was long before my time in terms of how the party was uh, operating at the, at the upper restaurants. But, you know, from, my, from what I have read uh, in the mid-90s, there was a tension in government uh, uh, and a real tension in government. And there was tension in the last government, but there was very much a public view of, you know, stability and working. But again, there was a, there was no, it was a different time. We were in the UIMF bailout. Europe was in crisis. The world was in economic crisis. So it can be very difficult or very easy to forget that. Uh, but at the same time, it's very hard for a party like Labour to be in government with a party like Fine Gael out number 221 in the UIMF bailout to get your full agenda forward. And okay. even only a party agenda too forward. Into it, Did Alan Kelly get too into the water charges? Did Brendan Howland get too much into the man who could deliver cuts? Well, like, if you're looking at this passionately on the water charges, I mean, Phil Hogan made an absolute pains of the water charges. I mean, I had people in the Department of Social Protection ringing me who were officials going, am I going to have to pay two and a half thousand euro in water charges? So Alan Kelly came in and, and he said there was 260 and 160 with 100 euro credit. But at that stage, the horse had bolted. He'd reduced it. Like he'd, he'd actually like cut it right right down. Uh, but, but, but then, so it was Hogan that made the absolute mess of it. Alan tried to fix it. It was too late. The, it was the straw that broke the camel's back, and 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 we got we got hung with it. Uh, Duncan, so, can I ask you about your own constituency in Dublin, Fingal? Um, Sinn Fein are guaranteed to try and they're going to run two people out there, as they're going to run two people in every constituency around the country. Louise O'Reilly got one and a half quotas last time round. Are you worried about your own seat? Uh, look, you're, like. Around three, four, five percent of the polls, whatever you want to say, nationally. Uh, now we'd be on more than that in Fingal, I'd say. But yeah, you're always worried about your seat if you're in politics, particularly if you're on low number of polls. But I can't ask for a better team of councillors and local area reps that I have in Fingal. I mean, we we have booked the national trend in the last number of elections, be it in Brendan Ryan's re-election in 2016, uh, my own election in uh, in 2020. Uh, my office is flat out busy. I again, good responses, as I say, on the doors or out and about. So all I can do is is my best on behalf of the party and pushing Labour forward because we do need an alternative to Sinn Féin in opposition as well. We're not a, a nationalist party in the nationalist tradition. We are a left-wing party in the socialist tradition. We are different and I think but we Labour need that to But Labour seems to be out. trying to dif- differentiate itself in that it's kind of a constructive opposition party as opposed to Sinn Féin. But is that cutting through the voters in any way? Uh, no, because look where we are at the polls. But it has to cut through. We can't just abandon our approach to politics you know, and just become a populist party and say, uh, you know, what people necessarily like, just just go chasing the the votes and then let people down when we're in government. We have learned from being in government. We have learned from that bloody Tesco ad. So are Sinn Féin overpromising? You know? uh, they are absolutely overpromising, but uh, like, let them do what they want to do. They're having their moment. It's uh, and and they're riding high in the polls and. Uh, you know, but we are not going to chase the Sinn Féin wave. We are the Labour Party. We we are a party that's rooted in the trade union movement, a socialist party, a social democratic party. And we have our own way of doing things. And we believe that when we are in government, we always do deliver change and good structural change that ultimately changes the country. And not on, be it on, on, on the social agenda side, be it on e- economics, be it on workers' rights, okay. we do. So, I mean, we have to stay true to that. And we have to, if people see that we're authentic in that and that we can rebuild our, rebuild our trust, that's how we will win it back. We will not win it back by promising tax cuts and increased well, actually, public I services. Get, I want to get on to know? that because, Michal, somebody who is promising tax cuts 
again is the uh, Tánis the Leo Vradker uh, talking about tax cuts and it's three months out from yeah, the budget. the Tánis is out really early, really early, way ahead of his government colleagues, way ahead it would seem perhaps even of the, the finance minister and certainly the public expenditure minister on this. We're currently putting together the summer economic statement which should show just how much money there will be available in the budget for things like tax cuts but also an emphasis from the Tánis in recent weeks about childcare and subsidies there, reducing the cost of healthcare, reducing costs around third level education as well and perhaps maintaining those transport fare reductions that are set to run to the end of the year, making them permanent, uh, for want of a better word. Uh, so that seems to be the focus. Is the Thalishta merely trying to be there early to be associated with whatever comes in the budget? Or, or is there something within the coalition, a bit of tension, uh, a lack of cohesion uh, around budget policy and around uh, getting uh, those proposals in place early? It's curious, it's curious given that he's doing it with such gusto and it's been done repeatedly now for the last fortnight. What do you make of it, Duncan? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, uh, Leo Varadkar, you know, always seems to promise at some point during a not necessarily when the budget cycle is in full swing, but uh, maybe when it's in a down cycle, that there's going to be tax cuts on the way, that there's going to be tax cuts in the next budget or in the next three budgets will have X amount of tax cuts. Uh, he seems to get reined in by Pascal Donoghue when it actually comes to the budget. And we've had uh, very conservative budgets uh, on, on, on the spending side, uh, at least uh, over the last number of years. And there's always been a reason for that, according to the uh, minister, whether it was Brexit or the pandemic. And, you know, we know we don't know what the reason would be this year, but I can't imagine uh, that. Uh, I can't see what Leo Varadkar is promising actually bearing fruit, and I hope it doesn't. Because if we do have these tax cuts that he always promises, if they were to be delivered, we would see an impact on the services that need to be delivered, and we are already struggling uh, with services across health. We have our cost of living crisis. You know, we we need to we need to be hiring speech and language therapists. We need to be hiring physiotherapists. We need to be hiring people all across our health service. And I'm not sure how you're going to do that if you're going to be bringing in massive tax cuts. So, okay. uh, I, I it is part of a response, though, as the government for the for every week now up until the recess will face calls from from the biggest opposition parties for a mini budget to to act mm. immediately and take action, uh, and these kind of proposals uh, does allow them to counter that. But I think the pressure will grow ahead of the budget for some intervention before it. And it's just but, seeing but the government have resisted. been, as you're saying, they've been trying to reframe their response. So they're still saying they're not going to do anything on, until October. But now what they're saying is we are doing something. We're doing it in October. All the government departments are working on this and now they're listing off all the areas that they're looking at. Yeah, uh, and they are listing off with, with the kind of detail at this point of the year, which is unusual and I think illustrative of, of real political pressure on them uh, as inflation poses such a problem for so many households. And Michal, just one last topic, uh, Fianna Fáil. Some ripples in Fianna Fáil last night at the Parliamentary Party meeting. Barry Cowan tabled a motion. Yeah, it seems so. Barry Cowan wants an all-day policy workshop in Leinster House before the Dáil recess to look back at the kind of things that were discussed at the Cavan uh, thinking at the beginning of this uh, Dáil term. He says that they have to be looked at again. Things like uh, setting a date for a border poll, he said, because Fianna Fáil is getting sidelined uh, in debates around that. Things like wind energy and also housing. Um, the parties gave that motion generally the thumbs up last night, but I would be very surprised uh, if the party leader uh, finds himself in a room with his colleagues at an all-day policy workshop uh, before the recess. I think the view there will be that those policy groups were set up and they can contribute uh, every week at a parliamentary party meeting. It does show, though, that the polls, too, uh, despite a relative calm in Fianna Fáil since the Cavan meeting, the polls are having an impact on the thinking, at least among some within that party. 
Duncan, I don't suppose you, you've any thoughts on the Fianna Fáil leadership? It seems to be rumbling again. But it will go to the cohesion of the government, though, when the roles swap over in December. Yeah, it will. I, but to be honest, I, 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 I've I, enough to cope with an outside of the house than to be worried about Fianna Fáil. You, <laughs> you know? were outside at the B protest. Uh, yeah. Is that, that something that affects your constituency? Uh, yeah, uh, there was people from Fingal there uh, as well. But I actually learned a bit outside uh, there in terms of the impact this is uh, bringing imported honeybees in that are, uh, you know, escaping from where they are creating honey out into the wild and impacting on the biodiversity there. So, the uh, native Irish, the native Irish honeybee under pressure. Yeah, under and pre- one of the last strongholds is Ireland, okay. and th- its attributes yep. are that it's docile, productive, and can survive a bad summer. Good attributes <laughs> for a good government backbencher, yeah. surely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll leave it there. My thanks to my guests. Thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Goodbye until next week.